unidentifiable flying object. The UFO continues to be a mystery. Wasn't alone in space. Fighting the UFO. Something out there. Close enough to be observed. What could it be? It could only be one thing. A UFO. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of UFO. No, your break from the propaganda. Just so much of it. The bad news, so much of that. And the political nonsense, so much of that. And have some fun talking about uh, interesting topics like Nazis and the potential of them going to the moon. Oh, yeah, people. Oh, yeah. So look, if you're one of those that doesn't even believe we went to the moon, this might irritate you a lot. Anyways, stay tuned. You might just dig it. Uh, thank you all for joining the show. Appreciate it so much. I'm flying solo on this episode again. Ed has got shit to do. He's got a new job setting up uh, stereo equipment and all kinds of cool stuff, working for a media company. So this guy's you know, going places, so we're not going to hold him back. He'll be back on the show no problem for sure very very soon i'm sure so uh anyways we miss you ed can't wait to have you back but i'm flying solo in the stratosphere a little over 94,000 feet and it's clear skies baby if you like the show be sure to share this episode give a nice review uh make sure you could grab that url you can splash that all all over your social media helps out so much uh just share it all over the place and again give us a nice review that really really does help hit that subscribe button if you're on rumble or youtube because we do a video version which isn't like video of us but it's just a video we throw on the youtubes but anyways you can go there you can uh, comment there that all really does help and of course, don't forget, you can donate at patreon.com slash UFO no podcast where you get zero ads, all of my loyalty and uh, a bonus episode each week. And then me and Ed are working on new stuff all the time, trying to add up there. But, uh, you know, we're not the most tech savvy people, so it takes a little time. He's a little bit more tech savvy than I am, uh, but between the two of us, we're trying to get shit done. But anyway, stay tuned. That Patreon going to be popping very soon. But either way, for now, you get a whole bonus episode just to you on the Patreon. And I thank you all so much that are already there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then, of course, you can go follow that portal to everything UFO No Podcast and uh, go get yourself some sweet merch. Got all kinds of different things. Uh, logo for the show, Cosmic Blue Balls. Um, let's get uh, abducted, I think, is one of them. Anyways, go on there. I'm trying to add some more uh, designs. But either way, um, go check it out. Anyways, follow that link in the show notes. Portal to everything UFO No. Otherwise, I love each and every single one of you. Let's get into it. Like I said, Nazis and the potential that they went to the moon. If you've never listened to the show before, go do so. Uh, go check out some of the other episodes. But a running theme is Nazis. Because I really believe it was a jumping point from uh, a lot of technology that was distributed amongst uh, you know the Russians and the Americans from the Nazis that were highly advanced. And in fact, uh, the Third Reich, is known to have some of the most advanced technology on the planet at that time. 
not to mention some of the smartest yet evil minds that were working for them um, on crazy experiments. In fact, a lot of them, we, unfortunately, I mean, it's good. Some good things came out of it, I suppose, but the way they came about these things, it was terrible. Um, But the world utilizes some of the benefits from these experiments today. And uh, I'll give, I'll give an example of some of these experiments. Okay. So some of these experiments was like a big one they did was they experimented on twins, um, conjoined twins. They were sewing twins together to, to create conjoined twins. Um, all kinds of crazy shit. I mean, they were doing bone muscle nerve transplantation, uh, experiments where they were actually removing people's bones, muscles, and nerves without any anesthesia. And then in some cases, they were um, injecting uh, bacteria into bone marrow. I mean, just, you know, to study the effectiveness of, of drugs and stuff on the battlefield. And so there were horrible, horrible um, head injury experiments. You know, they would give head injuries to these people and then experiment on them. Um, you know, they would have to create these crazy mechanized hammers and, and, you know, hammer on people's heads to try it. I mean, just terrible, terrible stuff. Freezing experiments. I mean, that's a, in fact, that's one that the Americans did during the American Japanese concentration camp time when having people hold out their arms and uh, let them freeze and then try and cut them off and see, I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff, you know, um, so the Nazis were doing the same thing. And that, like I said, I mean, I think we, I, I haven't said, but in this episode, but I've said in previous episodes numerous times that we carried on a lot of this stuff. You know, we carried on a lot of things after the Nazis were done and over with. Um, now, something else we got from them was technology, a weaponry. Um, in fact, Absolutely, we wouldn't have an Apollo program. Again, for those of you that don't believe that we went to the moon, this one's going to be like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> but uh, this is one I, I can't let go of. Um, for whatever reason, you can say I'm not looking at the evidence, whatever. To me, there's enough evidence to say we did. I think there's some circumstantial evidence to say that we didn't. And of course, A lot of people that say, well, how can you believe the government? How can you believe them when they say that uh, we went to the moon? Because to me, I think there's enough enough evidence to show that space is real, that the moon exists, and we may have gone there. I, I believe we're there now. But either way, I'm getting off track. I go into this every time. I go into this whole big... But because I feel like I got to explain to the naysayers, you know, why I still believe that shit. But, um, yeah, there definitely wouldn't be an Apollo program at all without uh, Warner Von Braun and uh, NASA, in which uh, he helped put together the Saturn V. Um, absolutely wouldn't have happened without it. Or Saturn, Saturn V, I'm sorry, Saturn V. Um, the V2 rocket wouldn't have happened without Von Braun at all um 
In fact, things like uh, space medicine. Space medicine is another one that probably wouldn't have happened without uh, Operation Paperclip and the Nazis. Uh, scientist, what was his name? Huber, Hubertus Strughold studied physical and psychological effects of space flight. And so that's where he... Um, That's where they got a lot of that. You know, training programs, help put together training programs, all kinds of stuff. Uh, in fact, I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of researchers that say without the Nazis from Operation Paperclip, so Nazi scientists, we wouldn't have foam cushing, we wouldn't have implantable pacemakers, kidney dialysis, CAT scans, MRI scans, None of it. Not to mention, like I said, the the entire space program. Um, solar satellites probably wouldn't have happened without Operation Paperclip. There was a scientist, uh, Hans K. Ziegler. And he's actually one of the few that didn't seem to really actually work doing nasty experiments with the Nazis. He was simply working for a porcelain company. And in Germany, I assume, or in uh, Bavaria. And then he was brought into the States in 1947. And uh, started creating solar cells for Bell Laboratories. So, I mean, this guy, you know, these are Nazi scientists. LED lights. Probably wouldn't have happened without Operation Paperclip. Kurt Lahovec. And he, again, some scientist working at a place called Sprague Electric Company. And then he was utilized by uh, the Americans. So, yeah, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff from the Nazis. Uh, the ion engine crazy former scientist uh nazi scientist ernst stillinger so you know anyways it's it's interesting so that's why to me i tie a lot of this stuff back to you know roswell um, even the one back to, uh, before that, it was the, what was it? Kershucker. Um, I'm probably getting it wrong crash that I think was probably the Nazi bell time machine, which we'll get into a little bit later. All kinds of stuff that came out of Nazi technology that we commandeered from the war spoils of war, I guess. But on top of all that, on top of the technology and the science that was coming out of Nazi Germany, <clears throat> excuse me, you also had this active hunt constantly, especially towards the end of the war, for esoteric knowledge, ancient wisdom coming out of things like relics and ancient texts. Ruins, artifacts, uh, potential crashed, recovered UFOs. 
that they may have reverse engineered and then maybe created their own UFOs. A massive interest in the occult and the dark arts, which was, again, carried on by people like Jack Parsons, all in NASA. All in NASA. So, to me, a big question that ties all this back in is, you know, as to why were they so advanced? And then, therefore, how did we get so advanced? So quickly, because, man, after the 1940s and 50s, just boom, and technology just leaps and bounds, and now we're just insane. But did the Nazis have help from aliens? Or if nothing else, have access to another dimension, another realm? And that's a really big question for me because, like I've said in multiple episodes and this one, this is the point in history where it seems to me that the UFO phenomenon takes on a different feel, a different vibe. Because in ancient sightings, going back to Bible, uh, which we've talked about, to even early 1800s, it's really about enlightened encounters these interactions with peaceful beings that are simply here to teach and pass on a message, would just be kind to each other, you know, do good by man or, or uh, by the earth and all this stuff, right? And encounters with gods and angels, right? That's what we have going back to ancient history is gods and angels, not aliens. There was no experimentation on humans like abductions and all that, at least that we know of. But it was a lot of them coming down and interacting with us and us gaining knowledge from them. But then, after World War II, you have a complete change to scary abductions, terrifying experiments done, people people having uh, encounters where they're they're being cut open and... You know, they, they uh, find out that they've had something implanted or something taken out. Creepy humanoids. All these types of weird, you know, shapeshifters and, and weird. It's just now it's all of a sudden a different vibe. Now, could it have been that up till that point, there was no propaganda put out trying to sway? There was no media put out trying to sway. You know, you have media, which old school movies that were all these monster movies, aliens coming down. So there is that. So is it because we were looking at, at it a different way in the ancient world than we are now due to influence from government and media and all that stuff? Could very well be. Could very well be. Or it could be that it's now it's humans as opposed to gods and angels or enlightened advanced civilizations now it's uh you know it's humans doing the abducting humans are good at that you know doing it to each other and kind of putting it on other things but you know that's that's a lot of what it is could be could be
so in the 1990s, there was declassified documents that came out uh, about a crashed UFO in the Black Forest near Freeburg sometime in 1936. And the story of this crash goes that the SS quickly recovered this downed UFO craft of some kind and secretly transported it to the main Nazi headquarters called Wuelsberg Castle, where a bunch of Nazi scientists and engineers reverse engineer the craft and take out technologies that would give them or learn technologies that would give them an advantage in their planned war. So in 1936, the war hasn't started yet, but clearly not, uh, you know, Hitler and the regime were well on their way into making it happen, planning it. There was also a claim um, from some unnamed author, which I'm a huge fan of uh, anonymous accounts. Huge fan, love it. Uh, zero credibility, but still, it's worth noting that in this uh, an, an online article that surfaced in 2013, so 77 years later, you know, take that for what you will, that apparently this unnamed author had found a pair of field glasses used by one of these SS officers on the specific night of this UFO crash and that by apparently channeling through them, channeling energy through these glasses, he got the impression, like, uh, you know, like mediums do, he got a sense, an impression that the there were survivors of this crash and that they were shot on sight and not only were they shot on sight but they were humans from the future not aliens and that the craft was actually a time machine now some people might ask well why would they shoot future humans well the nazis would shoot slaves on site so maybe they weren't future humans maybe they were nazis dressed up in future looking clothing um and then when they made it i mean who knows it could literally i'm really speculating on this one but the reason i like this topic so much is because there is so much that we don't know I mean, we know a lot about the Nazi regime, Hitler, how he came to power, you know, what they were doing during that time. But what is very, very secretive is this research and development that was clearly going on in the occult, in the paranormal. And it was absolutely picked up after Operation Paperclip and utilized by the U.S. intelligence agencies, NASA, CIA, to further these experiments. But whereas the Nazis were very open about experimenting on Jews, the intelligence agencies are totally hush-hush. And they're, you know, in my opinion, 
They are taking homeless. They are taking um, runaways. They are, you know, this whole missing 411 thing. I think they have a lot to do with that. And so now you can experiment on whoever the fuck you want because you've got UFOs and aliens now that you can have the fall guy on, abductions, that now you can implant memories. And I'm going way off. But this is this is my whole thing about this. And that's why I love talking about it. Because it's such a crazy subject and there's so much, you know, conspiracy, but, you know, legitimate what seems like not evidence really, but definitely it seems like there is enough here to be able to point to it and say, there's something to this. There's something to this. There's so much. There's so much there. It can't be a coincidence. So it has to be, they were doing something and they were digging into something. So that's why I love talking about this and going over this. So there's a book um, called The Occult Connection, Unidentified Flying Objects by Ken Hudnall or Hudnall, where he points out um, several declassified documents and witness testimonies telling of the Nazis recovering alien technologies and reverse engineering them. And this is the whole idea of Roswell, right? That a UFO crashed in Roswell, the U.S. military got their hands on it and started reverse engineering it. Well, I believe. We didn't have to do that. That the Nazis did and that we got our hands on that technology and furthered it. And that Roswell potentially was us attempting to use this technology and it crashing. Because why the fuck do UFOs crash? Why do UFOs crash? You're talking about advanced alien civilizations with technology capable of bending space and time and traveling all over the cosmos, and they're going to crash in New Mexico? What? Come on. That's why I have a hard time believing that. And to me, it makes more sense that we were testing something, as in the U.S. military, intelligence agencies, were testing technology that was far more advanced because we just gotten our hands on it. And as dudes know and women that know dudes, we don't read instructions. So what do we do? We got, we got a bunch of arrogant, egotistical uh, intelligence agency douchebags standing around advanced technology going, let's fucking try it. Absolutely, I would do that. I would totally do that. And you know you would too. Come on. Come on. You know you would. But so these documents that he highlights also show that Nazi researchers succeeded in developing nuclear bombs, digital computers, and the use of liquid air, super metals, and a bunch of advanced uh, projects. And it's very well known that a lot of these workers involved in these projects, a lot of these scientists involved uh, 
in these projects that weren't high-ranking Nazis were executed. Tie up loose ends, especially towards the end of the war. And then on top of that, you have huge amounts of research notes that were destroyed. They're covering their tracks. Potentially. And so it makes it very difficult to get a clear picture of what was going on. But again, we have a lot of circumstantial evidence, a lot of coincidences that aren't coincidences, a lot of dots to connect that say they were into some weird and kooky shit and they succeeded in doing a lot of it, similar to the way that Jack Parsons, L. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, they were experimenting with portals and the occult sex magic. I had a phenomenal conversation with um, Alan Greenfield and called Alan fucking Greenfield is the episode uh, name. Go check it out. And he talked a lot about sex magic and ritualistic and, you know, I mean, it's, it's incredible stuff. And this is the power of belief. People say, oh, that stuff isn't real. You look. Belief is a hell of a drug. And the mind is a hell of a machine. Let's be honest. It's a hell of a thing. Reality. We barely know what, what it is. And, and our brains do so much. So what's real and what's not real? Well, belief is a big part of what reality is, in my opinion. So anyways, this clear picture, it's hard to get our hands on. But like I said, even the, even the, even the small amount of documents that have survived definitely, definitely point to very advanced R&D, very advanced It's also very well known that the Nazi regime sent researchers and scholars all over the world hunting for ancient relics in these texts. And uh, a fairly well-known one, expedition, is uh, to Tibet. It's known the Nazis were in Tibet. And according to some of these Nazi records, uh... In Tibet, they discovered, quote, one or more crashed alien crafts along with at least one alien crew. I don't know about the alien stuff. I mean, look, I want to believe in aliens, but I don't know. I, again, why would UFOs crash? Humans crash all the time. Doesn't it make more sense that it was, it was, it could have been, I mean, who, again, if there is a need, let's say that Hitler and his propaganda team were actually the ones that came up with the alien UFO cover story, but they didn't need to propagandize it the way that the Americans did because they were, uh, I, 
I'm going to assume that the Nazis had, because they specifically developed and built secret infrastructure, secret bases, which the Americans do too. But man, the Nazis were good at it. And again, very advanced technology. And they had zero moral conundrums. They didn't have to ask the, you know, the people. They just did whatever the fuck they wanted to. And so, you know, a, a benefit to doing whatever the fuck you want is you don't have things like morals stand in the way or laws staying in the way. So you can do whatever you want. Hurt as many people as you need to. So is the fact that the Nazi records indicate aliens in these crafts, does that mean that they were a part of this cover-up? If we're assuming that it is a cover-up and that the alien idea is much more out there and beings of enlightenment and other dimensions and realms as opposed to just hanging out in space? Because that's kind of what I think about this, is that instead of aliens just hanging around in the atmosphere and hanging around out in space, that it's really more of they're on such another level that we can barely comprehend that their existence is there, let alone a metallic craft. But some of these rumors that followed, you know, towards the end of the war that wasn't based on documents, but was based on witness testimonies, says that an alien outpost was found somewhere in the Himalayas. Now, what I, I like to think that these are misinterpretations. Alien is a good one. That future, highly advanced and futuristic, could be misconstrued as alien, Right? Same way as uh, highly advanced science could be misconstrued as magic, right? So that's kind of what I think about when I hear alien. I just think highly advanced, highly advanced, not necessarily a different species, just highly advanced humans. So you could change that around. Some rumors, not based on documents, but are based on witness testimonies. Say a highly advanced outpost was found in the Himalayas. Could be aliens, especially in the 40s and the 50s. Think about what we have now. Would they not consider that an alien touch touch screens? You know, you don't even need buttons. Like look at the look at the um what is it, the capsule for the dragon crew um for SpaceX, the Falcon 9 crazy there looks like there's no buttons it's all just flat screens and touch screen stuff it's crazy right out of something like 2001 a space odyssey you know all the i mean even that was you look at what we have now and it's it's crazy it's not even close so could be just highly advanced futuristic outpost as opposed to alien but we'll probably never know for sure probably never know for sure maybe someday but i don't think so now 
it's also known that the Nazi regime got a lot of support. I got a lot of funding. So there's a lot of people that say, well, this is how they got their advanced technology. It wasn't aliens. It was funding. But here's something to think about. Right before the war, the German military had 57 submarines. During the years of World War II, they managed to build 1,163 of the world's most advanced submarines. The world's most advanced during the war, while they're pouring money into the war, they're also developing over a 1,000 of the world's most advanced submarines? I Could slave labor really have been that effective? Because isn't that what they were really running on? Was slave labor? It's hard for me to imagine that even slaves could do that. That's just, that's a lot. That's a lot. 57 to over 1,100. Over 1,100 submarines. And advanced. They weren't highly advanced. The 57 submarines weren't super advanced submarines. But these over 1,100 were super advanced. So according to records, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Vril Society. I've talked about them before in the past, but they were this um, society, one of the biggest... um, supporters of the Nazi regime. But according to records, scientists and engineers with the Nazis were working for the Vril Society in Germany developing a saucer-shaped craft that was 25 feet across and it sat eight pilots. And this was in 1935. And it utilized electromagnetic fields as well as what's called free energy. And you can actually look up free energy. It's, it's crazy how long they've been talking about free energy. And there's a lot of people that say it's not difficult to make. But the government does not want you to have it. But anyways, uh, electromagnetic fields, free energy, and anti-gravity technology... And that this thing in 1935 could fly up to 3,000 miles per hour at low altitudes. But there were some rumors that said that by the time they got to the early 40s, so maybe, you know, five to seven years later, maybe eight years later, they got it up to over 10,000 miles per hour. 10,000 miles per hour. Now, those are rumors, not based on documents, but rumors. But we love to speculate, don't we? Can you imagine? Can you imagine 10,000 miles in 19 thir- or early 40s? 1935 to early 40s developing something that advanced. Now, a lot of people say, yeah, okay, where? Well, the British and U.S. pilots during that time, uh, the early 40s, uh, you know, uh, what was it? Well, 39 to 45, I think, uh, was the war. So during that time, 
U.S. and British pilots are reporting seeing bright, big bright discs that are flying around, zipping around while the British and the U.S. pilots are on bombing missions, specifically over German airspace. And they even dubbed them the Foo Fighters. And I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with uh, World War II Foo Fighters. But it's actually kind of a cool story. You may not know how they actually got their name, but it's kind of a cool story. So I'm going to tell you a little history story. Uh, story goes, one night in November 1944, a Bristol Bow Fighter crew, pilot Edward Schluter, Radar observer Donald Myers and intelligence officer Fred Ringwald were flying along the Rhine north of Strasbourg, and they described seeing eight to ten bright orange lights off the left wing flying through the air at high speed. The airborne radar uh, crew had nothing on their radars. The ground control crew had nothing on their radars. But Schluter, uh, I guess, ended up turning towards the lights to go and, and see what they were, but then they disappeared. Um, but then later appeared further away. So that happened for several minutes, and then finally they uh, disappeared. So long story to tell that Myers, the one of the pilots, gave these objects a name from a popular cartoon at the time a fighter fighter cartoon called Smokey Stover and in this cartoon firefighters are known as Foo Fighters and so that's where they called these crafts these UFOs uh, Foo Fighters now they never said they were aliens they never said they were you know spaceships they didn't know what they were, so they just gave them a name to describe them, um, and that was that. But obviously, through UFO lore, the mythos, it gets dubbed as aliens, that aliens were buzzing World War II fighters. Why weren't they buzzing German fighters? Now, it could be that you know we weren't talking to the Germans, so we didn't get reports, but we have other reports from Germany during that time. So why not pester the German Army, the German Air Force? No, nope, it was only British and U.S. pilots. Another indicator that it could have very well have been Nazi crafts that were not yet developed to get in dogfights. Oh, excuse me, dogfights, but were they were being tested. And what better way to test them than to potentially distract U.S. Uh, and British pilots? That's great. I mean, if you're if you're a Nazi and you're Germany, that's a great test uh, run. It's a great way to do it. So the question is then. Was the saucer disc shape why that shape was it because it was aerodynamic that they did they come to that themselves again or did they get it from aliens divine inspiration 
And then the question is, how did they get in contact with these aliens, if they did? If they were in contact with an advanced civilization that was helping them and giving them knowledge and information into advanced technology, how were they getting it? Well, that's where that ties into this real society. Uh, they were a society that was headed up by this lady, a medium, a self-proclaimed medium, Maria Orsic. And she claimed that since the early 1900s, around 1919, she had been in contact with extraterrestrials and been receiving telepathic messages from them and that they resided on Earth at some point in Sumer and, again, was one of the largest donors to the Nazi regime. In fact, Vril, the name, in ancient Sumerian means godlike. Mm, arrogant. Now, according to some theories, when it was obvious that the war was lost, so towards uh, the end, so 42, 43, Maria Orsic sent out apparently a special code known only to Vril members that signaled them to go to a specific rendezvous point where they would be picked up by these aliens that she had been in contact with. It sounds crazy, of course, except that Orsic and a lot of these Vril members, including high-ranking Nazis uh, like Martin Bormann, is claimed to have disappeared along with or altogether after the war. And she also claimed before that that she was receiving a telepathic message about building a spaceship. But here's where I have a hard time believing that. I like to follow the evidence. Now, it'd be one thing if we had no evidence. Now, we don't have any evidence of Maria after this, of where this she resided. She very well could have disappeared, absolutely, along with a bunch of the other Vril members and some high-ranking Nazis, for sure. But Martin Borman specifically, the reason why I cast doubt on that is because in the show, Hunting Hitler, which I love, you should go check it out if you haven't, um, they absolutely found evidence that Martin Borman, along with many high-ranking Nazis, had been in Argentina or Brazil or both after the war after the war not towards the end of the war after the war so if if these theories say that martin borman and all these real members disappeared on a spaceship before the end of the war then i have to i have to disagree and i have to argue that there's evidence that he was found in argentina and brazil after now, did he disappear out of nowhere after that? Maybe. Nobody knows. 
There's a lot of people that believe that Hitler committed suicide along with his girlfriend in a bunker. I do not. There is enough evidence to at least show that he didn't die there. Maybe not that he escaped on a spaceship or anything, but he certainly did not commit suicide in a bunker like is the mainstream consensus. And there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that he escaped along with a bunch of high-ranking Nazi officers, Martin Bormann included, to Argentina, Brazil, Chile. And a lot of people don't know that Hitler was actually a member of this other society uh, called the Order of the Black Sun. And according to some researchers, some mediums, a bunch of whistleblowers that came forward, apparently this was another society that claimed to make contact with aliens. Except that apparently this alien race that he was in contact with through the Order of the Black Sun was more in line with Hitler's beliefs about race and war. So these, this alien race that uh, the Order of the Black Sun was involved with apparently is said to have come from Draco in the Orion constellation. They're reptilian humanoids. And apparently they're the same reptilian humanoids that this uh, that David Icke or Icky. I've heard it both ways. David Icke has talked about since the late 90s, and he believes that uh, a bunch of politicians are reptiles, this reptilian race, um, and that if nothing else, they've absolutely infiltrated the human race and uh, are manipulating events and uh, things in government to make lead mankind down a bad road. And apparently they're a secret race that is controlled by an AI, an artificial intelligence of some kind, and that their main goal is to control all biological life wherever it's found in the universe. Which I don't know about all that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think, look, I think absolutely politicians are 100% pieces of shit. Absolute pieces of shit. Worst type of people, manipulators, liars, virtue signaling douchebags that could care less about what happens to any of their constituents as long as they're in as long as they get access to inside trading and all that stuff. I mean, I just hate and despise uh politicians. But I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt of taking away that they're just shitty humans and that they're actually reptiles that are, you know, manipulating humans. I, I I, I think they're just really shitty people, really terrible, terrible people that just have no hearts and souls left. They've done everything they could to to just um, get their own ends, you know, anyways.
But uh, to go back to the concept, the question, the big question, did the Nazis go to the moon? Did they get to the moon? Are they on the moon? If you haven't seen Iron Sky, great movie uh, around this entire premise that the Nazis went to the moon. Um, and it's so awesome. It's such a great movie. It's cheesy, it's corny, but it's great. Great movie. Um, aside from that movie and aside from theorists, uh, there's a researcher from Bulgaria named Vladimir Terzisky. And he believes that Nazi scientists managed to land on the moon in 1942. And after doing so, then tunnel under the surface of the moon and establish a permanent base. Lending potential creed to the hollow moon theory. Which we know the Nazis definitely had... Um, Dug a lot of tunnels, secret tunnels. We know that. There's been a lot of them found. Secret bases, secret tunnels. But then on top of that, that this is also why the Nazis built a base in Antarctica as a launching point to get to the moon. And if you think about how little of the world people had access to in 1942. You didn't have the internet. You didn't have things like Google Earth. If you weren't somewhere or it wasn't on TV. Was there TV in 1942? Yes. Um, You didn't know about it. You didn't know about it. You didn't know what things looked like unless it was in a picture or something else. I mean, that now we can, we have access to so much, we can virtually know what anything looks like at any point in time, especially if it's on the earth. But think about the limited view in 1942. And think about if... There are rockets launching from Antarctica. Would you know about it? Even now, would you know about it? I mean, now we have people that are interested in keeping an eye on Antarctica. But in 1942, it was virtually impossible to keep an eye on Antarctica. Which, to me says, well, then it could have been possible that they were launching from Antarctica. And it's not like we have a ton of people in Antarctica that are looking for bases. It's a very limited access place. So to me, it at least makes it possible that it could have taken place. And they had highly advanced technology. And so, it's also known that Hitler, a lot like Stalin, was using 
uh, prophets, supposed prophets, and mind readers in helping him make political decisions um, or tactical decisions with uh, involving the war. What's interesting, though, is if that's true, which I don't know if it's true, but I just I think it's an interesting interesting concept that he may have even done this. Um, but it's interesting because in Germany it was illegal to be a mystic, uh, to be a medium, to utilize these people. But what do we know about dictators? Will dictators be dictating? And politicians today do this. Tell you you can't do something and then they go and do it. That's not an old concept. So just because it was illegal to do so in Germany doesn't mean they weren't doing it. Once again, politicians, shitty people. I fucking hate you. Bribing officials, tax evasion, insider trading, murder. Illegal unless you're the government. I'm not saying anybody should murder, but I definitely think if you can evade taxes, do it. (laughs) If you can inside trade, do it. If you can bribe officials, do it. Because politicians do it all the time. Fuck those people. Or you could just be a good person. Maybe I'm being too vindictive. I don't know. It's interesting to me. This is the most fascinating aspect to me about the Nazi regime. And it's one of my favorite subjects, the Nazis. Not because they were cool. (laughs) Because they were so evil. So evil and hateful and bloodthirsty and brutal. One of the most brutal regimes in history. But at its core... In high-ranking officials, the people making the moves had this genuine belief, genuine, deep belief in the occult, uh, 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 all kinds of, um, the the mediums, the all kinds of crazy things they were into, crazy beliefs that they were into. Psychics, Definitely the occult, for sure. And it just fascinates me to think about them believing in this stuff, but only for the purposes of bending the world to their will. Now, out the height of all of this research and development that was going on, the hunting for relics, at the height at the end of the war, after the war ends, that's when you have Operation Paperclip. So you have all these scientists, over 1,600, that are bringing these beliefs over to American intelligence agencies that almost immediately start experimenting with remote viewing, mind control, and all this crazy shit to do with mind manipulation. I mean, MK Ultra, baby. And 
And it's also interesting to have these Nazi high-ranking officials that were also hunting down biblical relics and artifacts like uh, like the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail. It's, it's funny to me because when I watched Indiana Jones, great movies, love them, classic. When I was a kid, I had no idea how accurate it was. how accurate it was that they were hunting these things like the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail. And you watch them, you know, it's just this fantasy storytelling. But they really were. They really were hunting these things. They really were looking for these things. One of these guys was Heinrich Himmler, who was working for the Vril Society with the Third Reich to look into evidence of a superior alien race, legends of um, Atlantis, and even entrances to the inner earth. And he did all this under this guise of an educational institute. And... Himmler's belief was not only that Atlantis existed, but that true Germans were of Atlantean heritage. That that's who they uh, uh, descended from. And so he led all these archaeological expeditions to Scotland, France, uh, the Caucasus Mountains, North Africa, India, Tibet. All looking for clues into the theories of Atlantis. And all these places have historical significance to the theories of Atlantis. A big reason the Nazis were looking in India, in the Far East was for ancient Sanskrit texts. And according to these Nazi beliefs, these texts told of a superior race of aliens who in ancient times conquered the country and then installed a caste system that they ruled over. What's interesting about this is that there's a debate about the translation of these ancient texts. So mainstream scholars, which they're wrong on a lot of shit, but maybe they're not wrong on this. Mainstream scholars say that Nazis misinterpreted, misinterpreted these texts talking of a superior race. But there are also a lot of prominent researchers, not mainstream scholars, but 
pretty well-known researchers that believe these texts do tell an account of some kind of battle between alien or advanced civilizations with crafts known as viminas in the Indus region during ancient times. I don't know because I didn't translate them, but I know there's a lot of people that believe this. The whole ancient astronaut theory, there's a lot of people that believe this. So if we're to believe that these Sanskrit texts do indeed tell a story about a battle, but then also show this machine, this craft that aided these advanced civilizations in war. Well then, were they using these texts? Were they looking for them to use them for blueprints? Maybe that's why they needed them, to study them, to see if they could put them together. Research and development. Along with these specific areas that they were looking for, ancient relics and whatnot, the whole time they were rampaging through Europe, they were collecting thousands upon thousands of paintings and sculptures and ancient relics taking them back to Germany. A certain amount of these were recovered after the war and over the decades, but a lot of them still completely unaccounted for, totally lost, maybe lost, or maybe they were utilized. In the book, Keep Out, Top Secret Places Governments Don't Want You to Know About, by Nick Redfern, a researcher and author. He talks about the Nazi regime and how they located and recovered Noah's Ark. And apparently, according to Redfern, also in M- M16 or MI6, I'm sorry, MI6 files from 1948, towards the end of World War II, they were receiving rumor-based intelligence that German military personnel were engaged in flying a high-tech spy balloon over Mount Ararat, which that's where it's said that in the Bible that the Ark ended up. But did they actually get it? Were they actually pursuing things like the Ark? Why the Ark? Now, there's evidence that they were there, certainly. And to give an example of the U.S. following in the tracks of the Nazis, which is scary to say, The U.S. government are some shysty bastards. But another example of them doing this, and Redfern shows this in his book um, called The Pyramids and the Pentagon, The Government's Secret Pursuit of Mystical Relics, Ancient Astronauts, and Lost Civilizations. He points out that the U.S. government went on missions in the exact same areas 
as the Nazis did for the exact same reasons, to potentially find ancient and religious relics. And that in 1949, the U.S. Air Force left from a base in Europe to apparently scope out reported Soviet troops building up close to American military bases. But they just happen to fly over the exact same area around Mount Ararat that the Nazis had been surveying. And according to reports, the crew could clearly see an intelligently designed craft of some sort. And at first, they thought it was a wing of an airplane, but it was too big. So they flew back around several times, took some pictures. And apparently, according to them, and according to these pictures, it turned out whatever was in there to be the similar size and dimensions of what the Ark would be. Also, Nick Redfern goes on in the book Strange Secrets, Real Government Files on the Unknown that the U.S. military did and did find and recover the Ark. So maybe the Nazis didn't. Okay, so wait a minute. In one book, he says that they did. In another book, he says they didn't, but the U.S. did. Who knows for sure. But either way, he says that uh, they did recover. They took it away. Classified military government installations, institutions. Again, one of those things we'll never really know. We'll never know. Rumors, hints, whispers. But why the ark? Why the ark? A wooden boat? That carried a family and animals? How does that help the war effort with the Nazis? In any way, how does that help them? I understand it has religious significance, but how does it help them to have it? To me, it sounds like a power trip. Like just one of those things to have and to keep from the world. So is that why the U.S. was doing it? Supposedly? Is that they were hunting for the same things to keep it from the world, to have it? It's just a weird, I don't understand the significance of the Nazis needing it or wanting it, again, other than to have it, to keep it from other people. And then again, why does the U.S. need it? And again, it's funny when you think back on movies like Indiana Jones and how right they were. And it's funny how when you go back and watch these things, like as a kid, obviously I wasn't a conspiracy nut. But now, you go back and you watch these things, watch old movies, and it's funny to see how they were just pouring truth 
all over these fictional premises, and most people didn't even think to look into it, didn't even think about it being a thing. Just crazy, because there it was, just staring me in the face, and, you know, I'm 40 now. I was a little kid watching Indiana Jones. Very interesting. So, there was an interesting discovery made in the Caucasus Mountains by Russian ethnographer Vladimir Melikov of two demonic skulls with distinct horn shapes nearby a World War II era Nazi briefcase with symbols of the Ananerbi organization on it, which is originally known as the Society for the Study of the History of Primeval Ideas. Weird. So again, showing that they were super into the occult, Weird shit, man. Weird shit. Another interesting thing is that the Nazis executed several secret missions to that same place led by Himmler because he believed that there was an entrance to the inner earth there. I said that a little weird. Inner earth there. In fact, there's a lot of local legends for that same place dating back centuries that talk about that place and refer to it as Agartha or the underworld. But that's all, you know, again, there's not a lot of evidence that says they did, but there are some very, very interesting coincidences and circumstantial evidence that say they probably did or they found some they they were at least looking for it. At least looking for it. If they didn't find it, they were at least looking for it. So that means they believed it existed. So should we believe it existed? Crazy. Something else I've talked about on numerous episodes is de Glock or the Nazi bell. So if you're not familiar... And for those that are, I apologize. I'm going to go over it again. But for those of you that aren't, and I just think it's awesome, so I love talking about it. Uh, there's a book came out in 2000 called The Truth About the Wonder Weapon by a Polish author, researcher, Igor Witkowski. And in that, he details information from leaked files given to him by a contact in Polish intelligence services from a Nazi SS officer named Jacob uh, Spornberg. And according to these files stolen from Nazi SS officer, the Nazi bell utilized anti-gravity technology propulsion powered by counter-rotation of two cylinders along with an extremely volatile heavy metal substance called serum 525. 
the inside of this bell was apparently a mirror-like material. And when the device was active, this mirror interior would fill with images of the past or the future. And apparently, under controlled conditions, the bell could bend time and space, therefore being a time machine. He also said that they tested the Nazi bell at a place nicknamed the Henge. If you've never seen pictures of it, there was this was a real relic that was known to be a Nazi staging point. They don't know. They no official for what it was, but it is. It looks like a mini Stonehenge, and it's got like a a circular top to it. But what is it like? Uh, Eight to ten stone pillars, all in a circle, perfect circle. Um, and it's near the Wenkelaus mine along the Czech and Poland border. So you can check it out. You can see it for yourself. But that's where it's said that they tested this Nazi bell. It's also said that when they would test this bell, the effect zone of the anti-gravity, all the effects of what it was doing was over 600 feet and that anyone, anyone or anything within this 600 feet would experience these brutal effects like their blood would gel and separate and then they would instantly decompose into a grease-like substance. Gross. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine that. Um, I mentioned the, in the beginning the Kecksburg crash, Pennsylvania, December 1965, almost 20 years after the Nazi bell disappeared. If we believe that the Glock was a time machine, which I don't know, I once again, I think there's a lot of coincidences and uh, weird shit to point to it could have been. But if we believe that it was a time machine, it's possible that at the very end of the war, when they saw things, the ship was sinking, the Nazi ship was sinking. That Himmler took himself, possibly Hitler, and several other close allies with him to the future. Or if it was capable of, as well as going to the future, as well as transporting to other areas, because hence the crash, that could have gone to the moon in the future. Or even in the past. Well, what good would it do you to land on the moon in the past without any of your resources? Because clearly the Nazis, if you go back to before the war, the Nazis didn't have the technology to get there. Well, 1936, whatever. 35, potentially. 42 is when they would have gone there, but surely they had the technology before that.
it's just interesting, again, to think about the possibility of them being able to go there. And then to look at these things and show that, well, look, there was a strong belief that they at least had the technology to be capable of it. To be capable of it. And not their own beliefs. It was beliefs of people around them that believe this. But think about this Kecksburg crash. This UFO was said to be shaped like a bell. That there was several reports of Egyptian-style writing along the base of the object, like symbols that were also said to be on the base of the Nazi bell. Again, if it's true, if this Nazi bell crashed in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, in 1965, well after the war, <coughs> that means intelligence agencies got their hands on it. If it wasn't them that crashed it in Kecksburg, then they got their hands on it in Kecksburg and took it from there. But again, as I pointed out, and as you can see on the Hunting Hitler show, very strong evidence, very strong, that a majority of high-ranking Nazi officers, including Hitler himself, were in Argentina, Brazil, and Chile after the end of the war. Some of them, I mean... Go, I'm telling you, go watch that show after you listen to this show, of course. But strong evidence that they were there sometimes into the 60s, into the 70s even. There's, there's one testim uh, testament, testimony that talks about the potential of an old Hitler, an older Hitler in Chile or Argentina, I can't remember which one, um, into the 70s. Crazy. And if the theories, there's something to the theories that the Nazis did indeed go into the inner earth, there's a good chance they would have done so in Antarctica, leading again to Antarctica. Again, it's not strong evidence. It's not like hard evidence that they did these things. Pretty strong evidence that they were in Argentina, Brazil, and Chile, but everything else, hit and miss reports, rumors, certain whistleblowers, who knows if they had incentive to want to say these things. But either way, there's a lot of it. as well as a, a lot of people that believe the theories about secret Nazi bases, highly advanced flying machines like the Foo Fighters. And some evidence that they were planning, that they started planning secret bases before the war even began, giving them time. They weren't, you know, under high scrutiny then. Makes sense. In 1938, 
the Schwabenlard vessel claimed New Swabia as their territory to secure Germany's whaling industries. But there's a lot of people that believe, including former Nazi sympathizer Ernst Zundel, that it was actually a secret base called Base 211 and that it became the hideout for high-ranking Nazi officers, including Hitler, after the war. And supposedly they had that in 1938. Time to build it up. Plenty of time. Now, of course, the idea of inner earth sounds a little crazy. A race of people living there sounds a little crazy. But there are a lot of great minds, a lot of smart thinkers that have thought this as well, thought that this was possible, that an inner earth was possible, and that a race was living there. There are a ton of legends, particularly from the Far East, that talk about an ancient kingdom of Shambhala inside the earth. Buddhist legends talk about supermen and women that traveled through tunnels and through caves in the earth. In 1947, so a couple of years after the war, Operation High Jump took place. And there's a Admiral Richard Byrd who claimed to have an experience. And the story goes that Operation High Jump was a multinational effort led by the U.S., to establish a permanent base at the South Pole. But at this time, this guy, Richard Byrd, who at the time was a highly respected decorated Air Force pilot, not yet Admiral, was doing a reconnaissance flight on the afternoon of February 19th, 1947. But instead of ice, there was lush green vegetation with cattle and other animals just running around. He also claimed that he saw a huge opening that led inside the earth with running water, green vegetation, even a sun. And that while he was going through this area, which, you know, I can't, I don't know if I would go. I mean, I'm not even brave enough to fly, really, let alone <laughs> go into a giant tunnel. But while he was going through this giant tunnel, something took control of his craft, his aircraft, and that he saw several strange saucer-shaped crafts with Nazi symbols around his plane. And by Nazi symbols, of course, you know I mean the swastika. But apparently after some time, they just let him fly back out after a short stop. It all sounds crazy to some people, most people. 
But to me, I, I think it's possible. What do I know? I don't look if I knew the entire surface of the earth, the entire terrain of the earth, if I knew all of that, I could say, I don't think that's possible. But I don't, so I can't. But again, look at the legit evidence that there are Nazi settlements in South America, like Brazil, Chile, and Argentina. That's all true. Then you add in all the UFO sightings in those countries since the early 1950s. Are they Nazi technology? A hybrid of alien and Nazi technology? Warner Von Braun. Warner Von Braun. The guy who prophesied that there would be four stages of basically Project Bluebeam in which the world governments would blame several different things to divert funds into technologies. Communists, terrorists, global virus, and then aliens. I'm not a big fan of his, only because he's a, a Nazi scientist. Not a big fan of either, any of them. But to, a perfect example of taking Nazi scientists who Warner von Braun claims he was forced to work for the Nazis, but there are numerous survivors who say he was just as ruthless as the rest of them. But in the 50s, when he comes over in Operation Paperclip, all of a sudden, he's got a he's a Disney star, a Disney, Disney Channel star. Becomes the man who put America on the moon. Crazy. But he got to continue his scientific work in the U.S. Take what he was doing with the Nazis, bring it over to the U.S., and considering the advanced technology of the Nazis, and about 20 years later, the U.S. lands on the moon. Having no rocket program, no space program prior, before Operation Paperclip, but we know the Nazis had advanced technology before that. So 20 years after the U.S. gets their hands on it, we go to the moon. I think it's very possible the Nazis got there. I think it's very possible. And if, if they did, no doubt Von Braun was involved. No doubt. So the big question is, with all this technology that the Nazis had, why didn't they win the war? Why didn't the Third Reich just take over the world if they had all this advanced technology? This is the biggest hole 
in the argument that the Nazis had this technology and could go to the moon is if they could go to the moon, how come they couldn't win the war? Clearly anyone who could go to the moon could have won the war, right? Why didn't they wipe out all their enemies at once with moon lasers, advanced UFOs? Why not? If they got, here's some theories to think about. If they got some, this advanced tech from aliens, with not much coaching, let's say that they just kind of derive, I don't know, got the information but didn't get like coached in how to use it. No instruction manual. It could have been so far ahead of the Nazis' understanding that it took them too long to figure it out so they didn't have time to use it. Hence why most of these things came about towards the end of the war. Maybe they ran out of money. Again, they were pouring money into secret expeditions all over the world, advanced R&D, on top of funding a war. Or, there was no way to end the war without being in in a constant state of war. I mean, it's not like America is going to give up. It's not like Russia is going to give up. So even if he kept going and kept going, so will the U.S., so will Russia. So it just goes on and on. So he sees no end there, no end of the war. It would be a perpetual war if the Nazis kept trying to go. The U.S. and Russia wanted the technology. So the Nazis made a deal, just like the scientists did. Except that there's no way that the people are going to allow Hitler to stay alive. If the people have a say-so. Which, you do Operation Paperclip, a lot of people didn't even know about that. But, let's say the intelligence agencies shuffled around all the high-ranking officials, including Hitler, with Operation Paperclip to hideouts in Argentina, Brazil, and Chile with the uh, cooperation of all those governments. There's no way he gets out of any of this without help from other countries and agencies. Now, we know that he was given help by Argentina, Brazil, and Chile. Why didn't the U.S. and Russia declare war against these countries if we knew they were harboring the one of the most ruthless leaders in history? Why not? Because maybe we were working with them to give them an out so we could get the technology. And we got the scientists out of it. Whatever the truth is, and we'll probably never fully know what that truth is, there is no doubt that the Nazis had advanced technology, and there are a ton of possibilities 
of what they did with it. A ton. And again, with them destroying scientists and workers that had the information, destroying documents, covering up their trail. So the people, now the governments, I think we had a much better idea. The governments had a much better idea of what was going on than the people do, which is much the case now. So I think there's a high probability that there was some deals made to shuffle him out and because uh, he definitely didn't die in the bunker. For sure, for sure. And again, to answer the question of did the Nazis go on the moon, go to the moon, land on the moon, are they on the moon? I Obviously, I don't know. But I, I think the possibility is very, very high that they could have gone. And why wouldn't you? If you have the capability, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? And you've got all this access to slave labor to send people up and see what happens. Man. I, I really think that there there's a high possibility. And as you know, if you've listened to the show, you know that I do believe we've been on the moon for a long time, as in the world governments, the U.S. government. And uh, we're just sprucing it up. So when we get there in 2024, um, it's going to be like, oh, look at this new base that we've got up here. No, no, no. Get rid of the shag rug. Give it a new paint job. Brand new base. Brand new base. But again, who knows? Who will really know? But that's what's so much fun about going over this is uh, thinking about the possibilities and definitely weird shit going on. Weird shenanigans going on within the Nazi regime aside from them just being evil, evil people. Uh, but uh, yeah. But the big question I have as always, is what do you think? What do you think about all this? You think the Nazis went to the moon? You think they got to the moon? You think they're on the moon? You think Iron Sky is uh, a documentary as opposed to a uh, fiction movie? <laughs> what do you think? I want to know. Tell me what you think. Also, if you have stories, you got experiences, you just want to reach out, you want to say, hey, what's up? You can email in the show notes, the portal to all things UFO no link just follow that it'll take you to everything just scroll on down email reach out the youtubes the rumbles the twitters all of it it's all there uh so you know go on check it out and of course um you could do much you could go to the patreon page where you can donate and speaking of the patreon page my people my ufo no army i want to thank you all i love it i love it i love it and we're going to keep giving you more and more. So go now to patreon.com and donate. But to my supporters, the first OG supporter, first army member, designer, tin foil hat wearing Aaron Rice. Thank you so much, lady. Always appreciate you. Casey Armadillo, first merch buyer and now member of the UFO No Army. Thank you, sir, very much. Appreciate it. Michael Benavides, uh, dude, got to talk about Roswell, man. Need to do it. Love you. Thank you so much. 
Michael Ralston. Thank you as well, sir. Very, very much. Means the world to me. Uh, Jesse always ha- we talk almost every episode about stuff and I love it. Thank you so much, Jesse. Means the world. Uh, Rihanna, you too as well. We've had several conversations. Love it. Thank you so much. And uh, love to have a conversation with you and your uh, soon-to-be hubby. But uh, anyways, hope you're all doing well. Love you. Thank you so much for the support. You too can be a part of the UFO Noir Army at Patreon.com, where again, we are releasing a new episode each and every single week just for members. A bunch more bonus content coming soon. Uh, Me and Ed are always working on stuff. And I promise Ed will be back where he's just uh, trying to figure shit out. New job, you know? You got to you gotta fluctuate. You got you to gotta be able to bend and give a little bit. So that's what he's doing, trying to figure out his schedule. Um, and, of course, we wish him luck. But, again, go to the patreon.com slash podcast page. Any donation means the world to me. Uh, love you all. Mean it. Uh, now for my general shout-outs. Got to shout these guys out. Black Coast, Killer Band, Wet Wired, their merch. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Always giving me shout-outs. means the world. Uh, I just love it. I love interacting with people uh, who listen to the show because I'm always surprised. I'm always surprised. I just put this out there, um, and uh, I just, I, I'm always surprised that people listen to it. So, anyways, thank you all very much. Uh, Bob Sowen, thank you. Casey Leesky, dude, thank you. And then, of course, everyone who's bought merch, you can tag UFO No Podcast with your sweet-ass gear. Uh, help us build a portfolio of fans. Just tag UFO No Podcast on the Instagrams because um, I want to see it. It'd be great. Um, if you want to get a shout-out, just let me know you listen to the show or donate at patreon.com slash UFO podcast. It is that simple. And again, I want to know what you all think. I want to know what you think about the Nazis on the moon. I want to know what you think about everything. Every episode, reach out to me. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to talk to you, get your thoughts on this stuff. And then, of course, if anybody is daring enough to be willing to come on the show and have a little spreckensy about uh about all this stuff uh, i would love to do that too so let's have a little chat about it uh but for me that's it people love you all again thank you so much and hey watch the skies and watch out for the government they're shiesty bastards 